It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. A new project in the city of Kennewick will feature an interesting funding source coming from the side of the developer. And the newest flavor on the normalization menu started at a TEDx talk a few years ago in Europe. But first, give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. It is the bottom line, hour number two, Wednesday afternoon, News Radio 610 KONA, 547-1610. If you'd like to get involved, uh... Robinette hanging with you, and this Saturday we will be doing a special uh, bottom line live out at Riverfest at Columbia Park in Kennewick, celebration of basically what the rivers bring to our community, to our economy, to our recreation, all the benefits that we have in this community thanks to where it happens to be located and how much the river system has an impact on that. And joining us to talk a little bit more about the impact of the river system on our community is Dave Collins. He's with Tidewater Barge Lines. Dave, thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So talk to us a little bit about Tidewater Barge Lines, uh, what it is that your company does, and what the impact that our river system has on your business. Sure. So, yeah, we're a a tug-and-barge and and terminal company that operates on the Snake River and the Columbia River, and uh, we've been around since uh, the early 1930s. you know, when I tell people, hey, I uh, work for Tidewater, they, some say, oh, yeah, I know Tidewater. Others are kind of scratch their head. I said, hey, just, just look for the barges with the smiley faces. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's you guys. <laughs> um, so we, we take uh, uh, commodities up and down the river systems. So a lot of the uh, uh, grain and, and wheat and other uh, agricultural commodities that are harvested, grown in, in eastern Washington, uh, get loaded onto barges and come down the river system where they can get um, uh, put into um, the elevators and then they get uh, exported from there. So, um, you know, believe it or not, our, our river system is uh, you know, one of the biggest in the country. It's number one for U.S. wheat exports, number two for corn and soybeans, and number one for, uh, for wood products. And uh, about 10% of all the U.S. wheat that's uh, uh, exported in the U.S passes through the, the Snake River and those dams. So uh, for companies like ours, uh, you know, I have about 300 employees, um, many third and fourth generation. Uh, the river system provides uh, family wage jobs, um, stability, um, a, lo- a lot for our company. So very very much a big supporter of the river for, for our um, aspect of it. Now, Dave, you mentioned that the company was started in the 1930s. That was before... Uh, the Snake River dams were built on the river. What kind of an impact, what can you tell us going back pre-Snake River dams as to uh, how Tidewater navigated the Snake River and and how much more it opened it up for the ability for Tidewater and for uh, those many, many agricultural, or there's, there's farmers and, and agriculture companies to be able to begin using the river as an export source? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, it was a total game changer because uh, the, the 
Snake River and the Columbia were very dangerous to navigate before the dams went in. And actually until uh, the dams and then uh, um, the Snake River had to be dredged in certain areas to make it even navigable for, for us. Uh, prior to those dams coming in, it was, it was very dangerous. Uh, there were certain places along the river where you, you would have to offload cargo from ships, put it on, you know, horses or, you know, um, trucks, um, you know, going back to those, those days. So when the dams came in, it brought a consistent and reliable system where you could control the river flows, you could control the pool. And so for us, it gave us this rateable, reliable transportation system that, you know, you look at how much we've grown over the years, it's, it's a night and day difference. And at that same time, it brought also um, the ability for farmers to use um, the river for um, irrigation, uh, which then just, you know, if you look at pictures of what the Tri-Cities and other areas looked before the dams to now, it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, and then obviously it's brought, uh, you know, clean, renewable um, hydroelectric power to our region too, which is another attraction for businesses that uh, come here, uh, both from a, you know, environmental impact as well as a cost. We're talking with Dave Collins from Tidewater Barge Lines here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. I'm curious. Uh, we know that uh, to address some of the ecological concerns and environmental concerns, uh, a lot of dams have been uh, equipped with fish ladders, and there have been a lot of uh, changes that have been uh, made to the operation of the dams in an effort to help migrating fish. How has the the barge industry uh, changed, developed, or uh, even remained the same during those changes with uh, the dam system as the focus uh, changed a little bit towards uh, helping the migrating salmon? Sure, sure. Real good, real good question. Well, you know, we've always been a firm believer that the dams and uh, fish can coexist. And uh, there's, a, you know, there's a balance there. And, and you, you know, if you look at the empirical science on the fish returns that are coming, we are making progress. Um, we, we've tried to work closely with the Army Corps, you know, they're kind of the primary um, regulatory lead and manage those dams to figure out what are the best ways that um, we can use, use the river for barge operations as well as um, um, the best, you know, likelihood of the fish uh, uh, making it up and, and back through. Um, and, and to your point, as the fish ladders come in um, as well, you know, we, we work closely with them to, to analyze kind of that sweet spot of what's going to get you the best on river flows, spill, um, and at the same time not create, you know, an inoperable river system for us. And, you know, they might say, hey, can we tweak this here and there? And we're like, yep, that looks good, good to us. And it's a very much a partnership because um, we all want to see, um, you know, the, uh, the salmon uh, continue to, um, you know, return to the, uh, to, the, to the Snake and Columbia River system. So, Dave, what are some of the things that Tidewater Barge Lines uh, or Tidewater in general as a company, because I know you have a couple of different um, elements underneath of the Tidewater brand, what will you guys be doing out at Riverfest on Saturday out at uh, Columbia River or Columbia Park, excuse me, in Kennewick? Yeah, so, you know, we, we kind of have a couple things going on. Um, you know, just like, uh, you know, there's going to be lots of booths there that uh, – People are going to really use as an opportunity to educate people on on the different uh, benefits of the river. So we'll have a, a big booth there. Um, just look for the big green Tidewater banner. Um, you know, we'll have some trivia trivia games to really kind of um, educate you a little, and then test your knowledge and uh, 
you can't can't have a booth without prizes, right? So we'll be uh, we'll be handing out lots of prizes. Um, and you know, last year was such a great experience. I think we had a total of like three or four thousand people show up at the event. We're expecting more, and it was a great opportunity to have a conversation with people about the river system and make it pass through. You know, we're just we're the commercial navigation barging piece. They'll get to meet people from the ag industry, uh, the hydropower, um, you know, all the people that, that um, utilize the river. Um, and the other thing we'll have uh, probably, it's all going to depend on when our boat can get there, but uh, we'll have a big tugboat that's going to cruise by probably in the morning time, you know, I'd say around in between 10 and 11. And, uh, you know, unfortunately there's not enough uh, water there to dock the boat. Uh, every year we we look at it, but we just haven't. It hasn't worked out at that location. But you'll get to see a close-up, see one of our big tugboats in action come by, and uh, you know, um, honk its horn a few times to the crowd and, and say hello. So um, you know, it's just it's just a great event, a great celebration of coming out and uh, uh, spending some time to. Uh, to learn more about the river and just just having a good good celebration. We're talking with Dave Collins with Tidewater Barge Lines regarding Riverfest this Saturday at Columbia Park in Kennewick. Dave, one more question for you before we let you go. I'm sure you and many in your industry have been in front of legislators in the state of Washington, uh, been in front of those who are doing their best to try and remove these dams from the Snake and the Columbia Rivers. When you talk to them about the economic impact or those in your industry talk to them about the economic impact that this would have and how far backwards it would wind up taking uh, the economy in Washington State. What is the response that you get? You know, I, I, it's very interesting. I think that when you have that um, personal face-to-face conversation, a lot of our legislature's uh, representatives are reasonable, and, and that goes across party lines no matter who you're talking to. Um, you know, a lot of them have said, geez, I really, you know, I, I hear certain things, but when I actually hear what it means and, and hear real-life stories from, from people like uh, Tidewater, it, it seems to resonate with them. I think that um, at the high level, people really, you know, this is just my personal opinion, think that the idea of pulling the dams out is ludicrous for the reasons you gave, particularly when we, we have a clean energy bill that just passed, that one of the ways to get us to clean energy in the state is through hydropower. It's kind of, you're kind of almost talking out of both sides of your mouth if you want to say, we want clean energy, but we want to tear the dams out. So it's just, I think, continuing to, to give that message. But I would say the one-on-one conversations are always positive. They're like, yeah, it sounds like a sensible um, uh, you know, set of uh, facts that you're giving me here. Um, that seems to not so much translate when it comes to the media. <laughs> No, we hear you there, Dave. Hey, Dave Collins with Tidewater Barge Lines. We appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks for joining us and looking forward to seeing you guys out there at Riverfest on Saturday. Thanks for having us. And, yeah, we look forward to seeing everybody out. Riverfest is Saturday starting at 10. All right. Dave Collins with Tidewater Barge Lines. Going to take a quick break, come back, and uh, I'll go down a little bit of a different direction. We talked about, you know, economic impact, particularly that of the river, but Well, economic impact comes in a lot of ways, and we're going to talk about a new plan that the city of Kennewick is putting into motion when we come back. The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. And this hour brought to you in part by Perfection Tire with four Tri-Cities locations to serve you. Going to the phones here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KNA. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Mike from Pasco. What's up, Mike? Well, 
I have a comment about the uh, Walmart stopping their ammunition sales in some types of ammo and pistols in Alaska. And just to give you a little heads up on where I'm coming from, I'm a life member of the NRA, uh, had a long career in law enforcement, was a firearms instructor, gunsmith, competition pistol shooter. So, you know, I've been around guns my whole life. And contrary to what a lot of people are saying about Walmart, I kind of applaud them for being ballsy enough to stand up and take this stand, knowing that it's going to cost them some money. You know, I don't have a solution to these mass shootings, but and nobody else seems to. But I commend Walmart for taking a stand and doing something that they hope will work. Hey, Mike, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I'm not going to blast a company for making a decision. They're 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 their own business. You know, it's their decision to turn around and go in this direction. And if it works for them and they are happy with the decision that they're making, that's perfectly fine. I mean, again, anything that's private, anything that's privately owned, anything that is you know, an, an entity that has the ability to make decisions for their own benefit outside of government realm or or taxpayer incentive or anything like that, more power to them. If they think it's going to solve a problem, they have every right to do what they want to do, whether or not, and, and, and people will make their decisions based on Walmart's decisions. I don't decry or anything one way or the other what they're doing it's completely and totally up to them and if they feel that they're going to be a part of a solution by doing this then more power to walmart let's go back to the phones you're up on the bottom line who's this where are you calling from hi fellas it's me again hi Hi, me Uh, hey uh a a comment on your last caller uh item one unless you have a crystal ball how are you going to know that I'm not going to go shoot up Columbia Center tonight? Do you think Do you think taking away bullets from Walmart is going to change any of that? Second, if you do your research, within five or eight million, Walmart makes every day they're open a hundred million dollars. Sure. So. When you say, okay, well, fine, it, it might cost me $10 million. Well, guess what? Today you still made $90 million. There is no fix for it because you God gave us free will. There's no fix. Hey, Mike, I, I, I certainly don't disagree with you. You know, Walmart knows full. There's no question that Walmart, before making this decision, this was not a knee-jerk reaction. This was a... Let's look at the let's look at the the potential pushback. Let's look at what we could potentially lose. Is it going to really be that much? How much do we actually sell in the first place? Oh, okay. Well, let's make a, this nice, lovely statement that we're not going to do this because we know ultimately it's not really going to hit us that hard in the shorts, and we can afford to do that. Do I think it completely and totally it was ridden by that decision? No, I don't. But there's no question that when you're coming from the aspect of a business, especially one like Walmart who every time you turn around is getting blasted for something, let's be honest. If it's not wages, they're being blasted for something else by uh, by people that despise their existence. 
they're looking at this and they're going, is this something that we can turn around and we can do? Yeah, okay, we can do it. Is it really going to bother us that much? No, it's not. Is it something that might be a benefit down the line? Yeah, it might be. Okay, let's do it. The last two callers made a similar reference mm-hmm. um, saying that, you know, there is no good solution. There is no answer. Uh, we can't stop these. You know, there, there's no way to address it. Um let me be abundantly clear. I am not advocating this position. However, there are people in this country who do think they have a really good idea of how they could stop these mass shootings. And that is to put more and more restrictions on gun ownership to the point where they eventually go away and no one has guns. I don't think that's the answer. But there are those in this country who feel that that is that will be the antidote for these mass shootings. So I just wanted to point that out that I don't necessarily agree with that. I Well, not necessarily at all. I don't agree with that. I think, you know, all you would do is you would just have criminals that have guns, you know, because criminals don't care if they're registered exactly. gun owners or not, you know, so then you would just, you know. You, you'd make it an unfair fight is Look, what you would do. But the only way there are those on the left that hey, think that that's the solution. The only way that you prevent the issue is you take away the free society. That's it. You oppress every individual. You go into an overt dictatorship. You have what you have in countries like China where you do not have a voice. You do not have... Uh, you do not have the freedom that you have here. You don't have the freedom that you have in a lot of places. You you go to an oppressive society. It's the only way you stop it. Yeah, but because everybody's long, treated equally. Yeah, <laughs> yes, equally bad. Uh, everyone's treated like Cuba. Uh, and as long as you live in a free society, these are the risks that, that occur. And, and, yes, there are downsides to you know, living in as free of a society as we do. But that's the only way you prevent things like that from happening is you take away everyone's freedom, you rip up the Constitution, and you basically put everyone in an oppressive state. Now, I don't want to live in a state like that. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I shouldn't say that. There are a few people out there that might. Um, but I'm not one of them. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Darren from Kennewick. What's on your mind, Darren? This, well, how you stop mass shootings is... Uh... The person that did it, it's obvious that he did it. There's evidence, there's video evidence that did it. You kill them. Boom. You're guilty. Done. We don't glorify them. We don't put their face on TV. We don't say anything about them. Yeah, this guy did this. So many people died. He's gone. Have a good day. Same with castration. Take out the pedophiles. Nobody wants to be a pedophile if that's what's going to happen. If you know the consequence, you're not going to do it. That's how you grow up. Oh, well, if you're told it's hot, don't touch it because you're going to get burned. Well, if you don't believe him, you're going to touch it. You're going to get burned. You're like, well, that's a consequence. I should have believed it. So we have laws. We need to uphold those laws and strengthen those laws. Appreciate the call, Darren. We're up against the timeout. I I will say this. I do think he is on to something in the regard of I would be in favor of increasing the penalties. Mm-hmm. For those that commit the crime, yeah. to make it actually a deterrent, whereas right. we have so many things now that that really well, it's not a deterrent. We do have we do have laws that are 
they're they're enhancers to crimes if you use a firearm. Yeah, stop with the enhancer. Just just just, just make saying. it make it make it an actual punishment that is going to make somebody think before they go out and do it. You know, but then then we hear, oh, well, there's overcrowding in prisons. And by the way, have you looked at how many violent criminals have been released out onto the streets, especially in Washington State? It makes you wonder. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meets in Basin City. Bottom line is Radio 610kona, 547-1610. You're going through a rough patch, rough time, decisions about ending relationships, especially if kids are involved and you've got a business involved, or, you know, it's one of those things that you never want to have to look at, but sometimes you do. And if you're going through the process or you've got something already in place, say a a parenting plan, and you want to look at amending it, there are experts in family law here in the Tri-Cities that are ready and waiting to help you in that process. And that's Skyview Law. They're in George Washington Way in Richland. Jared and his team have been practicing family law for over 10 years. They know the ins and outs, particularly when it comes to the difficult aspects of putting parenting plans together, amending child custody orders, amending parenting plans, and especially if there's a business involved, there are more things that go involved in separating a relationship and a business than you would even begin to believe. Contact Jared and his team at Skyview Law today. Visit their website, skyviewlaw.com. Ask for your free case review today with Skyview Law and begin to put the difficult aspects of your decision behind you. Let Skyview Law help guide you through that course. So, you know, it's interesting in the, um, you know, in the discussion, it, it almost sounds like, you know, the price to live in a in a free society is being subject to horrible things potentially happening to you. But it is. Because think, look... For example, okay, let's look at let's look at London. Let's look at England, all right? In London, they have very difficult they have very very harsh gun laws, okay? But yet they have significant amount of mass knife attacks, acid attacks. So, they live in a relatively free society. They have people, they had somebody stabbed, they had a member of their own parliament stabbed in the street mm-hmm. 18 months ago. Yep. When you live in a free society, people have the freedom to choose. They have the freedom to act. They have the freedom to behave. It may not always... And that includes badly. And that includes badly. You know, and yes, you have punishments in place, but if people aren't afraid of the punishment, they're going to commit the crime. Or if they don't think they're going to be punished, or if they don't think they're going to get cut, they're going to commit the crime. Living in a free society means you are subject to the risks that go associated with allowing people to make their own decisions for their lives. It's just what it is. You know, nobody, you would like to think that, you know, people have evolved over a certain period, but in all reality, your thought process may evolve, but your basic instinct doesn't. And that's why it's called instinct. Instinct doesn't evolve. Instinct stays the same. Your thought process, you would hope, evolve, but you still have that risk every time you walk out the door that something could happen. And it could happen in a nefarious way because people have the ability to make decisions for themselves in a free society. That notwithstanding, um, there's a new project that is going to move forward in the city of Kennewick, and it's 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 a pretty uh, 
it's a pretty interesting project. It's going to sound familiar too. <laughs> well, but it's not. It's 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 somewhat. There is an aspect of it, but yeah. but that one aspect is is just the only thing. I mean, it's it's a pretty ambitious project, um, and it's. It, I'm, I'm interested to hear how people are going to view it. The city of Kennewick put forward a plan last night that would see some growth in the area of the convention center. Um, there would be an expansion on the convention center that it's not, not I'm just going to get this out there right now. It is not the link project. Okay. It is not the link project, but there are some aspects. There, there is a familiar, there's a familiarity that. to one of the elements and that is the Performing Arts Center that would go into this expanded convention center. But it's not going to connect to the Toyota Center. It's not going to do, do any, anything like that. It's, it's a multi-phase project. Okay, The first aspect is going to be um, the Phase 1 $85 million investment, $35 million, which would be public, Fifty million, which would be private, it would be the public portion would be a 30, 33 thousand square foot expansion of the exhibition hall, a two thousand seat flex space performing arts center, an eleven thousand square foot convention center and theater lobby with a new box office, thirteen thousand eight hundred and fifty square foot back of house space, and it would also provide more parking to support the expansion of the convention center. Mm-hmm. The private portion is fifty million. This again, phase one. Acquisition of three and a half acres of land from the city adjacent to the convention center. Finance and construct a high quality seven story convention hotel equivalent to an upper mid scale hotel with a restaurant spa and an outdoor pool. Finance and construct a forty thousand square foot retail building and provide the required service parking to support the new hotel and the retail space. That's phase one. That's eighty five million dollars. Now, the public aspect does not include a tax increase. Not a sales tax increase, correct. Well, any tax increase has to go to the vote. That's right. So it doesn't include a tax increase. That's good because the voters rejected it three times. They did. They rejected a tax (laughs) increase three times. So so I think the, the powers that be finally moved on from that notion and... They're getting a little creative. I mean, you got to. If, yeah. if you can't, if you can't pass a sales tax increase to fund this, you're going to have to get a little creative. And, and you touched on it. A public-private partnership is the way that they are wanting to go. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting because I mean, the, none none of the none of this presentation that I'm that I'm pulling off of, which was done um, at the Kennewick City Council workshop last week, not this past Tuesday, but previous Tuesday. Um, it does not have a timeline necessarily on it, per se. But phase two would be $160 million that would have a uh, that would have residential, it would have commercial offices and retail, a public park, water features, and a boardwalk. There would be 800 condominium units and three residential towers mm-hmm. with amenities like a reception area, an exercise facility, a swimming pool, a sauna, storage units, 
barbecue garden area type thing like that. 250,000 to 300 square feet of shopping, restaurants, and offices on the first two levels of mixed-use development, underground parking, a level of paid public parking and guest parking with validation, state-of-the-art water features with public areas, which... It's fountains. I don't, I don't, Basically, I, it's fountains. Fountains, yeah. fountains, fountains. Yeah. Boardwalk with designated spots for vendors on the weekend market. Now, when I think of boardwalk, I don't think of a boardwalk that doesn't have water. Yeah. Or I don't think of a boardwalk near a fountain, but that's just me. It's a pretty ambitious project. The public side, as we mentioned, could come from bonds, mm-hmm. but it's not going to come from tax increases. Okay. The private side, however, is going to come... Partially, the developer is going to use money from the EB-5 investor program. Which is an interesting program. Which is an interesting program. For those that aren't familiar with the EB-5 program, it is a program that allows people from other countries, they're called immigrant investors, to invest in a targeted employment area, targeted employment area uh, or rural area or an area with a high end unemployment, okay? They can invest half a million dollars. And what that does, not only does it encourage foreign investment, but it also basically gives them the ability to have a residence in the United States. Does specifically it, a green card. Specifically a green card. Now, it now one doesn't buy citizenship. No, no, no. It's not citizenship. It's a green card. Yes, but it can be for the individual and family members. Yes, to get green cards. One important aspect I think that uh, that you omitted was that this investment has to go into one of these community areas, which this project is designated. Yes. And that it has to create jobs. Yes. It can't just be an investment on a property that sits there and makes money or doesn't. Right. There has to be job creation associated with it. And obviously, if you're talking about, uh, you know, 800 condos on a a high-rise building... Then yeah, that's going to make some money. Yeah, there's there's going to be that's jobs. Have jobs associated with the it. retail aspect will have jobs associated with it. There, there, there are plenty of things that will have jobs associated with it. But what's interesting is this program was inst- was was created in 1990, mm-hmm. and for many 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 years this program was was I guess the way they would term it is underutilized. There weren't a lot of people out there that were buying it, but. There are new rules that are going to take place and that are going to set in November. And those new rules are going to increase the minimum amount of money from 500000 to 900000 mm-hmm. So there are some other aspects that are going to, that are, that are going to change as well, so um, in, in including this- the fact that um, the government... And I want to make sure that I that I get this. The new regulation uh, will raise the investment to nine hundred thousand in a target employment area, uh, increasing the amount that takes inflation into account, and that states will no longer be able to designate regional centers. The Department of Homeland Security will be doing that, so the state will not be involved in the process anymore. Right. So both of those things be makes it very important that the paperwork get drawn up now 
before those rules take into kick into place because that area of, of Vista Field has already been designated as one of those areas. So they can move forward with this project. Right. And if you're th- if you're looking at a foreign investor pumping in a half million dollars as opposed to almost a million dollars, you might get more people to take advantage of that. So it behooves the city and the developer to get all this moving in in place uh, so they can start take, you know, taking advantage of this program before those changes come in November. Well, and here's the other interesting thing is there are four countries that comprise 80% of the investors in the EB-5 program. Let me guess. You want to take a guess who number one is? Saudi Arabia? Nope. No? Qatar? Not, they, In fact, Saudi Arabia isn't even listed. Really? In the top nine. I was just going to go through the through the oil-rich countries. Nope. Don't even start there. Really? Nope. Who's number one? China. Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense, too. Number two is South Korea. South Korea? Investors from South Korea. Hmm. Taiwan is number three. Hmm. The UK is number four. Hmm. Those are the four countries that comprise 80%. Oh, wow. Other investors have come from Canada. The beginning of the program was very popular with residents of India. But okay. over the, as the years have gone on, that hasn't been the same. Mexico, Japan, uh-huh. and Iran. Oh, good. N- none from Saudi Arabia or Oman nope. or nothing. No, because they're building Qatar. I guess. Why, well, I mean, you look at what they've done there. Well, I mean, they, look at look at the UAE. They could they could make the 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 Qatar of Tri Cities. They're not going to dump the money into us. Well, they can keep it on their own. Well, but, they could get an American green card. But it's in. But I, again, I don't think when. Many of them have diplomatic immunity, I'm sure. They're not worried about the green card. Yeah, they're oil princes, right? But what do you think? I mean, does it raise a concern? Money coming from the developer through this fund? We'll take your calls when we come back. Now back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meets in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. And this hour is brought to you in part by Ben Franklin Transit. Going new places? Visit them at bft.org. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 at KONA. Final few minutes. So, um... Kenwick moving forward with a really ambitious project right around the the Toyota Center, Convention Center area. It's going to be an expansion to the Convention Center, uh, high-rise condominiums, retail, office space, all kinds of stuff in there. Total bill is probably going to come to quarter of a a billion dollars, um, with $35 million invested in public funds and the rest coming from private sources. One of the ways that the private sources are coming in is through the EB-5 program, which gives... Um, immigration or immigrant investors the opportunity uh, right now to put half a million or half a million dollars in to the program, and it gets them residency. It buys them a green card, basically, um, and their family members and and family members to not not unlimited, but no family members immediately. Still, yeah. And according to Homeland Security, there is extensive vetting that goes on in this program. Okay, it's not, you can't buy citizenship. 
you can get a green card, but you can't buy citizenship. It's also not, according to Homeland Security, an immigration shortcut. Um, There is a comprehensive review of documentation of a legal source for the investors' funds, in addition to background checks, in-person interviews, uh, health, biometrics. They do the review twice, once upon application for conditional residency, and then again two years later at the removal of conditions phase. So, for example... The way I understand this is if somebody in India wants to pay a half a million dollars into this, then they could decide when they want to use their green card. They may not have to use it right away, but when they decide to use it, they go through this significant review. So the financial review comes first. Is your money clean? Is it legit? You know, because, I mean, first thought, you'd think, well, there's a lot of high-profile people, or I should say not necessarily high-profile people, but people that have a lot of money in other countries that may have come about it through ill-gotten means that this is a perfect way to launder cash. This would be a perfect way for the El Chapos of the world to launder money, is putting it into a legitimate business interest in another country if you're able to get around certain hoops and be able to get it put into a you know, reasonable thing. But if the if the the roadblocks are as stringent as Homeland Security says it is, then an El Chapo would never be able to get involved in something like this. Well, even if he does, the upside is us taxpayers don't have to pay for the project. Well, <laughs> technically you are, because there is $35 million in public money going into it, yes, but it's not going in based on a tax increase. And they've got, they've got uh, what, I think a few weeks or a month that they're going to discuss how that $35 million is going to be uh, used at the city level. Um, and they've got a couple of options. You mentioned bonds. That's one of the things uh, that that this, the, the city council can do without getting yes. public approval. Now, of course, bonds you can't fault on. Right. If you fault on a bond, then that's 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 a that's a significant issue. So bonds obviously you're gonna to want to be careful to make sure that you, you don't fault on that bond. We're missing the the biggest aspect of this whole thing. What the performing arts center? No, oh. not at all. Oh the high rise condos. Yeah. I mean, think about Eight, it. 800. 800, 800. In, a, in a couple of different towers, okay? Number one, we don't have anything like that. No, we don't. In the Tri-Cities. And I mean, conceptually and physically, we don't build tall buildings around in the Tri-Cities. Nope. We have hardly any tall buildings. We have some very nice bridges. Yeah. But we don't have a whole lot of... To- we don't have a whole lot of contour. And so... I don't know. I'm kind of excited for that aspect. Give you know, the skyline a little different look. It's it's 800 housing units that go up and not out, and and that yep. is that is interesting because then you know what you avoid you avoid the situation that you have in Seattle and so on and so forth, where now you're talking about getting rid of single family dwellings. Mm-hmm. And forcing people to have to live with someone else, which I'll tell you what, people talk about coming to take their guns. You think about putting somebody else. That ain't happening at all. And those condos, I imagine, ain't going to be cheap either. Probably not. But you know what? 
maybe just like Field of Dreams, if you build them, they will be lived in. Well, and you can think about the taxes that are collected Generated, on that sure. could maybe pay back those bonds. I don't know. It's all for the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. All your news, weather, and traffic on the afternoon report is next.